What's up, my fellow gabbers and geeks? Welcome to the Geek Gabber Podcast. My name is Jordan Windsor, and I'll be your heroic host, catching y'all up to the latest geeky discussions, film reviews, and more. Let's get our geek on, shall we? Okay, folks, welcome to the Gigaver Podcast. My name is Jordan Windsor, and on this episode, we're going to be gabbing about the cult classic video game, Vanquish, developed by Platinum Games and published by Sega. <laughs> yeah. So, Vanquish began development in 2007, and three years later was released in October 2010 for the PS3 and Xbox 360. It was not a huge hit. It ultimately undersold, I think, the units that Sega were hoping for. And ultimately, it just never really got big enough to warrant a sequel or any other games to come out after it. But it was later re-released for PC in May 2017, and that did a lot better. That did so much better. Add to the fact that the game got a sizable audience over the years after 2010. And with the PC release, which was a platform that a lot of gamers were going with at the time, it then got a bit more traction. And just recently, it was later re-released as part of a 10th anniversary bundle for the PS4 and Xbox One in February 2020. And when I say bundle, it came with another cult classic Platinum Games video game called Bayonetta, which, unlike Vanquish, is a hand-to-hand combat-oriented action-adventure game, while Vanquish is focused more on shooting and military. Bayonetta is focused more on, you know, like, fighting, hand-to-hand combat, and just, like, I guess, fantasy, while Vanquish is a bit more sci-fi, is way, way, way more sci-fi. So, yeah, what, what made this game a cult classic? Why did this game garner a sizable audience? Is there something to this game? What does it got? Well, before we start getting to the nitty-gritty of it, let's go over the story just to catch you up to speed. So, the game takes place in the future, in like the 2001-somethings. It, it doesn't totally matter. It just takes place in the future where robots are a thing and space marines are a thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway... The game takes place in the future, and evil Russian government, yeah, we're going there, (laughs) an evil Russian government steals a massive space superweapon to which they use to completely annihilate San Francisco. And when I say annihilate, I mean buildings are decimated, millions of people are killed, technology hotwires, and when I mean that... Like, phones people have, they hotwire and they go berserk and all that stuff. And the Golden Gate Bridge is destroyed. Yeah, so that happens. And the weapon is a super laser that I think uses microwave energy, which means not only is there a lot of decimated buildings, but the ocean bubbles up. Like, it cooks like a like a boiled water. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say, sorry. Like, boiled water. And people's bodies explode due to the excessive microwave energy that comes to the bodies. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I don't know if that's accurate or not. I don't think it's accurate. I mean, it's exaggerated. I don't think it's scientifically accurate. I just think it's there just for a bit of exaggeration. Like, 
fun and stuff because yeah this game is more focused on crazy fun than anything else so i want to get back to it the destruction of san francisco is basically just a message to the u.s in that if they don't surrender to the russian state as the villain sightsif proclaims the next target will be new york city the U.S. president doesn't give in and sends in an armada of space marines to deal with the threat at a huge elaborate space colony, which is where the entire game takes place. The space marines are led by a gruff sergeant, Colonel Burns, Robert Burns, who has a cool robot arm. Yeah, future. Along with the player character, Sam Gideon, in his really slick exoskeleton mech suit with jet boost on his back. Yeah quite crazy. And along with that, Sam Gideon's got his calm partner named Elena, who is the typical calm partner. She gives out coordinates on where to go. She outlines where enemies are and what their weaknesses are and so on and so forth. And there's also the professor, the one who came up with, I think, all of the technology. And like pretty much all the technology was handled by the professor. Um, he's not that big of a deal. He only gets a few lines of dialogue at the beginning and He's just kind of gone throughout most of it. He's kind of, I think he is kidnapped throughout most of the game's story. So yeah, that's the basic setup. It does get a little more complicated near the end, but I won't spoil it. I mean, it's not a super deep story or anything. It's just a big, dumb, exaggerated, action sci-fi kind of story. I mean, none of the characters are especially deep or anything. They're all just kind of the archetypes you've seen before. Um, like I said, the gruff Sergeant Sergeant Burns, who doesn't really like the player character and ultimately is kind of a jerk throughout the whole thing like and Sam Gideon sort of like the same thing he doesn't really like Robert Burns at all at the beginning it's not a super great story it's not the most compelling what really most players would be here for in an action third-person shooter like this is the gameplay and let me say the gameplay in Vanquish is really something because it's really not your typical third-person shooter. And what I mean by that is that the thing about third-person shooters is that you're always having to stand behind cover and basically pop and shoot whenever the enemy pops up and shoots. Like, you know, for example, you run, you take your player character, you run to cover, which is usually like a, a medium-sized wall, and then you press a button, the, your player character gets up towards it and then you just kind of wait until an enemy pops up from the other side they pop up and then you pop up and then basically you've got to shoot the enemy before he shoots you and well vanquish does have that it's actually focused a lot more on ultimately boosting around the battlefield and getting the jump on your enemies most of it really involves boosting around the arena with the jet boost. Yeah, like I mentioned, that's essentially what the gameplay is. Getting into cover is actually more like a, I guess like a fail state, like, oh, like if you weren't playing the game correctly, you would have to go right into cover. It's like a punishment for the player, but you pretty much have to use the boost function. Now, the boost function basically it's like you hold, you hold down the boost button and basically Sam Gideon in his um, really slick, cool exosuit will boost around the arena. He'll like slide boost around the arena. And while you're doing this, you can just shoot at enemies and get the jump on them. And essentially like you can 
slide boost into an enemy, and then press the attack button, and then Sam will jump off that enemy, and then you go into the slow-mo. And now the slow-mo, basically, after you um, press the attack button and jump off the enemy, time will slow down. The player will be allowed to essentially shoot the enemy. Now, now you can essentially, like, um, turn on slow-mo, I think whenever you like, but I think you have to, like, press the boost button and then the jump button so that Sam Gideon will do a roll, and then after he does the roll, time will slow down, and then you'll be allowed to, like, you know, get a, get a few really good shots on a couple of dozen or so enemies. And, you know, it, it's a really complicated, you know, system, and I can really... It's difficult to describe, but um, I think once you see some gameplay of it, I think you really you really could get a decent idea of what it what it's doing. And it, it it's crazy, and there's a learning curve to it. Like the game has a semi decent tutorial. It tells you the basic functions on the weapons you're using and the basic controls, how the boost functions and such but um there's a learning curve and there and there the game just kind of goes all the basics like it goes through all the weapons it goes through how to shoot and how to melee attack it tells you how the boost mechanic works now the boost isn't unlimited there's a certain meter just so the game can't be too easy so overcharge the boost function because if you overcharge it it'll overheat and evidently you'll be without the boost for a sizable amount of minutes and you'll end up getting shot by enemies if you're out in the open so if this happens, it's always good to go back into cover and regain that boost. And, well, you know, after it's regained, you can go and freely um, boost around and shoot enemies. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's really not your typical shooter. And I really do think that is part of why it didn't gain a super sizable audience. Because this game came out in October 2010. And 2010 was kind of the peak year of games like Call of Duty or, or Halo and the like. And those games don't use the kind of systems that um, Vanquish uses. And I know when I describe it, it sounds pretty complicated. And it kind of is when you play it. But if you really stick with it, it's a really accessible system that I think anyone can pick up and have fun and play. All of the weapons are really fun to use. And speaking of the weapons... Okay, so bear with me here. Sam basically only has one weapon type. But the thing is, it's a weapon type that transforms into other weapons. Like he, like the weapon he starts out with is a basic regular assault rifle. But on the D-pad, I'm playing this on the PS4 by the way, on the D-pad, if you switch it to the shotgun, the weapon, the assault rifle will then just like transform into a shotgun. Like it'll, like it's a cybernetic shotgun. And that goes, for other weapons like a heavy machine gun, a sniper rifle, a rocket launcher, and Sam also comes with grenades and EMPs, and those come in very handy in dealing with large crowds of robots that come after you. There's also some, uh, like, I think, wackier weapons. I think there's this laser beam and these and these disc weapons, or, like, this disc weapon, I mean. I didn't really use them a lot. They don't have a lot of ammo, and I reckon they're more so for the the more so skilled players who really got a good handle of the boost system. The assault, I mostly used the assault rifle, the heavy machine gun, and, you know, the grenades and the EMPs and the like. Or, like, when I say EMP, I mean, like, frag grenades. The grenades blow the robots up, and the EMPs kind of, like, stun them, so you, like, you can just boost on in and just get a few really good shots in on them. And speaking of these robot enemies, there's a crazy variety of them. Like, you know... 
a lot of these robots are really out really out there and you're really just kind of wondering like this evil russian government managed to like get these really elaborate and just very impractical robots you're essentially fighting 80s robot action figures like like a lot of these enemies look like action figures you'd buy at like um like a walmart or target or something like in the 80s or 90s or whatever and it, it's funny and i think it is semi-intentional because the game doesn't really take itself that seriously and it, it just it it's just allowed to have fun there's a lot of really outlandish like robots in here like for example there's this one robot that transforms into like a giant metal cat thing and then some and then sometimes while you're fighting it'll transform into like this big tall robot with a giant like metal stick that it swings at you with and occasionally will shoot at you with and it's an it's just so crazy and there's also this robot that this little tiny robot that has so much junk around it that it forms like this big mass kind of robot that kind of tries to that kind of rolls around and tries to get at you from all different types of angles and um also Probably, I think, maybe the slickest and coolest robot in the whole game is the Crystal Viper, which, yeah, I remember the name of because it really stuck out to me so much. And how it's like this silver-looking electric robot that's kind of invulnerable to most of your weapons. It basically... I can't exactly remember how you take it down. It's actually a little confusing. And I think I took it down a lot by just kind of shooting at it or just sort of using the boost function or the slow-mo uh, mechanic. It very much seemed like one of the most noteworthy enemies in the game because it's like a mini-boss whenever it shows up. It has a health bar and everything. It's like this electric blue robot. But here's the thing. It's like just only like a few pieces and a head, but the rest of its body is like this electric humanoid body that can shapeshift its arms into metal blades and stuff. Like, yeah... Okay, if you've seen Terminator 2 and you know about the T-1000 with its shape-shifting and its silver humanoid body with its sword arms, yeah, when you see this thing, you're going to be like, oh, that's just the T-1000. Like, the first area you fight it in is this rundown factory on fire with lava everywhere. If you've seen Terminator 2, you know that's the climax of that movie. And honestly, it's just a really cool enemy to fight. And it really just showcases the amount of really cool creativity that went into this game. And speaking of that creativity, the director, the creative director of this game is Shinji Mikami. Now, Shinji Mikami, very creative guy. And I say that because... Shinji Mikami has a very interesting, very creative, you know, legacy. He was the guy who very much jump-started the survival horror genre with Resident Evil for the PS1. Yeah, he, he was the guy that directed that. And if you've heard, and you've probably heard of Resident Evil, you know, the horror game with the dog running through the window or the zombie, like, slowly moving its head to notice the player character. Like, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it, it was a real game-changer for the video game industry. Um, he also did another game similar. It was, like, Dino Crisis. It was basically the same thing, but with dinosaurs. Um, he also did uh, Resident Evil 4, like, way afterwards in the GameCube era, the, the Nintendo GameCube, if you remember that. And Resident Evil 4 is considered to be one of the most influential and most famous, like, um, action-adventure games that came out in the early 2000s like this game really was also a game changer like so many games try to replicate it one way or another and he also did another like um full-blown crazy weird action game similar to vanquish 
that also didn't sell very well and eventually became another cult classic. And that game is called God Hand. So yeah, and honestly, it, Vanquish really does feel like a game to where Shinji Mikami was like, okay, military shooters like Halo and Call of Duty are really big right now. So what can I do with it? What kind of crazy, creative, goofy nonsense can I just kind of throw in there while also putting in these fun, engaging mechanics that no one else is really doing on the market? Well, you get Vanquish. And honestly, Vanquish is just a really fun, solid time. And, and it looks great. Like, this game came out in 2010, and it looks slick, dude. All of the character models look really nice. Um... I mean, there are a lot of um, metal areas, industrial areas, like slick areas, but they all still look really, really good. And a lot of the enemies look really cool, and they still hold up. There, there's like a really cool style to it. Um, and the boss fights, like the bosses in this game are so crazy. Like, there, there's a giant robot that I think transforms to another kind of giant robot in the game. I think that's like the opening boss of uh, the first level. And yeah, it's crazy. And there's also a boss that's, I think, actually similar to the player character Sam Gideon, except that instead of boosting on the ground, it boosts in the sky. And yeah, a lot of action games have that kind of doppelganger boss fight to really test the player and how they have to fight a character that functions similar to them. Like, yeah, those are always fun fights. I, I can't say it's perfect, but the game is a bit on the short side. You can um, beat the game in like a day or two. I mean, if you play games as a hobby, like you'll probably beat the game in like a day or, or so. It's not a very long game. Like if you up the if you up the difficulty, you'll probably have a longer time with it. But I, I think um, it makes up for it with quality. Um, there's a decent variety of stuff you do throughout the campaign, like. Like I said, that gameplay loop of boosting around enemies and shooting them, flanking them, and just using the slow-mo and then getting into cover when your boost overcharges or, like, just sliding into an enemy and just bouncing off on top of him. It never gets boring, honestly, for me. And coupled with the variety of weapons and the variety of new enemies and some bosses that shake things up, like, the game's pacing is really good and... That's, that's notable because Shinji Mikami, I think, is really fantastic at pacing because I played Resident Evil 4, and that game has really some of the best pacing of any game I've ever played. It's just a fun time. So, yeah, um, I think Vanquish certainly lives up to the hype in a lot of ways. Like, I ultimately played it because, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of action-adventure games, I'm a fan of third-person shooters, and I like cool sci-fi stuff, and this game has a lot of really cool sci-fi robot stuff, and um, it is a real shame that it never got a sequel or really just a big franchise. Like, I can totally see why a lot of people really get into this game. It's really fun, there's a lot of really good mechanics here, and but yeah, I think Vanquish is a really good fun time. A lot of people are still finding new things about it, even to this day, because like the systems it has, they're they're kind of deep. It, it's it's deep. Like there's some mechanics that some people probably like never picked up on at first when they played it, but as they play it more, they they find new things. And like I, I love that in video games when they do that. Like it really shows the developers really did put a lot of 
work into that. You can kind of tell that the game wants to be a big franchise because the game's story ends on a cliffhanger. Um, like, okay, it's not like a cliffhanger where it leaves you kind of being, oh, what, really? That sucks. Like, it ends satisfactory, but it does end with the notion of, oh, okay, well, I, I want the sequel now. But, uh, there is no sequel, and I don't think there really is is going to be one. I mean, maybe there'll be, like, a spiritual successor, maybe, like, a spin-off follow-up, maybe. I don't know. The game didn't do huge gangbusters, and even when it re-released on the PC, when it just re-released for the PS4 in, in February 2020, like, the development team that worked on it have already kind of separated and gone their separate ways and worked on other stuff. Um, Shinji Mikami... Um, he went on to do another horror franchise, The Evil Within, and I think others have either followed him to do that, or, you know, they went off to other studios. Bit of a bummer there, but I recommend it. It's a fun time, and if, if you love geeky robot sci-fi, like um, Alien, Star Wars, uh, Terminator 2, like, this game kind of has it all. Like, the thing about Shinji Mikami, like, is he kind of throws everything into a game. Definitely is a nice addition to his repertoire of real good and just really enjoyable experiences. Um, highly recommend it. Well, let's see where we can boost on towards now. Well, I'll call that a wrap. Thank y'all so much for listening to the Geek Gabber Podcast. If y'all enjoyed this episode, you can find the first two episodes on anchor.com slash geekgabber. Check out Twitter with twitter.com slash at On the next episode, we're going to have another movie review. Only this time, it's not going to be a review on a movie that just came out. It's actually going to be on a movie that I reckon a fair amount have seen, or at least heard of. Until then, keep geeking on, and gab it on.